the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Across both sides of my extended family, I am one of the only religious relatives. And what this means is that as family members have died, I tend to inherit the religious objects that that person has left behind. Things like my Uncle Jack's missile, my Nana's Bible, my great-grandfather's rosary. Indeed, today, underneath my vestments, I'm wearing a wooden Franciscan cross that was just gifted to me yesterday, coming from a family member who died last year. And I have most of these spiritual heirlooms in a shoebox that I keep on a shelf where I pray. And from time to time, I'll take the shoebox out and go through the items there, letting my fingers run over rosary beads or flip through pages of missiles. And whenever I do this, I notice my head and my heart slipping into this almost unconscious prayer, and it's almost like a stream of consciousness. It's always sort of isolating between different feelings and thoughts. One moment, it's thanksgiving for the gift of my relative's life. The next, it's sorrow for their death. Regret for those that I never met or never had a chance to say goodbye to. Bittersweet joy at warm memories and also hope for a future reunion. And every time I put these items down and put the box away, I'm left with three familiar feelings. The first is a greatest, greater awareness of my own mortality. The second is a desire to talk about my family members, to share their story, to tell people why they were important to me. They are still important to me. And third, a renewed sense of God's presence, of our Lord pulling me with those everlasting arms, of the crucified and risen one through whom I am connected to this great cloud of witnesses. Today's feast that we mark of all souls it offers us a chance for each of us to pull out our proverbial shoebox, to sit for a time with whatever we find inside, to meditate on our own death, to remember and to celebrate those who have died, and to draw closer to the Holy Immortal One. For this and for other reasons, I think this is a very important service, but I think it's particularly important given our culture that we find ourselves in. I find it to be quite a counterpoint to American culture, a culture that tends to always keep death at arm's length, to never really engage with death. Ours is a culture, after all, that has largely sequestered death and dying to facilities and to hospitals and to professionals. A culture that has made mourning more and more into a private matter. Mortality 
and mourning and memory, these are all messy topics. They are all complicated. But it's my strong conviction that it is exactly in this mess that we encounter Christ. Indeed, the complexity of these topics is reflected in the assigned readings for today, readings that all approach the topic of death and dying from slightly different angles. From wisdom, we get a more philosophical discourse, an interpretation of death and of immortality that flips the script on what meets the eye. And from 1 Thessalonians, we get a pastoral approach, a writer who is reassuring early Christians that none of us will be left behind because both the living and the dead will together be caught up in the cloud when the Lord returns. And in John's gospel, we get a more, we, we get a more day-to-day reminder that all of us who hear and who believe, we have already passed from death into life. That the resurrection isn't solely a future event, but indeed it's a quotidian call to live each day the resurrected life that we have been crucified with Christ into. But of all of today's passages of scripture, it's the psalm that resonates with me the most. A cry to God from the deeps. A psalm that unflinchingly illustrates the reality of despair and sorrow, and yet undeniably and subtly insists that God is present even there, even in the midst of the deeps. A psalm that encourages us in the, the archaic rendering that the, the choir sung, to fleeth unto the Lord before the morning watch, I say. Before the morning watch, I say. A sentence that I've seen rendered instead as waiting for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than a watchman for the morning. We are instructed by this psalm to grow closer to God in those lowest moments, even as we wrestle with death and loss, because he is indeed with us there in the darkness. And I think this psalm is resonating with me the most of our readings because it addresses another problem in how we talk about death. And this is a problem that can befall us Christians. I worry sometimes that we Christians, we can be rather triumphant when we talk about death and the hope of the resurrection. To be clear, there's nothing wrong with this. There is a place for it. O death, where is thy sting? But I worry when our triumphant approach to death, we lean into it to an extent that we sideline the earthly reality of mourning and of loss. I worry sometimes as Christians that we're so quick to talk about someone going to heaven one day that we commit the mistake of of jumping ahead to the resurrection without first having gone through the pain 
and the trauma of Good Friday. I remember the summer that I served as a hospital chaplain as part of my formation in preparation for the priesthood. I remember this one patient I visited, deeply devout woman, very old. She had seen her husband die many years before. She had just recently buried one of her children. She was having a tough day. She was, she was feeling down. And I remember talking to this patient's daughter, surviving child, out in the hallway, who is also deeply devout. And this child, this older woman herself, essentially said in so many words, I don't know what my mother has to feel sad about. Her husband went to heaven. Her daughter, my sister, went to heaven. She's going to go to heaven one day. It's all going to be all right. And I remember going to the room to speak with this patient. And it was very clear to me that she needed three things. First, she needed to cry. So we sat there, and she cried. And second, she needed me to tell me about her daughter, who had just passed. Wanted to tell me about her and her faith and what she meant to her. And so I listened. And third, she needed to pray. And so we prayed together. And we lifted up her prayers to God out of those depths. My brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter how death or the departed are hitting you today, know that there is something in today's service for you. If you need to mourn today, mourn. And if you're mourning the loss of a particular person, I encourage you, share their story today. Before you go to bed tonight, call up a family member or a friend. Or indeed, come find me after the service outside the church and tell me about your loved ones. I would love to hear. And as we now continue in our service to the time in which we lift up our own prayers, and we read the necrology, the list of those who have died in the past year, let us follow the wisdom of the psalmist and together, from the deep, call out to God, knowing that the Lord is always already here. Let us together wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at thechapelofthecross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.